This afternoon, we won't uh, uh, give you the whole load this afternoon, Uh, but uh, we're now coming to chapter 5 of the book of of Ephesians and our study in Ephesians, Walking in Christ. And as we enter chapter 5, we're still noticing how to walk worthy of the vocation where with ye are called. That was from chapter 4, verse 1. But uh, we still notice that here uh, as we come into chapter 5. Now, we've been called, and we can see this all the way through the study thus far. Uh, we've been called to be holy and without blame before him in love. That's in chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, We're called to be children by Jesus Christ to himself, verse 5. And then fellow citizens with the saints, we saw that in chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, Members of the household of God, verse 19. And then unholy temple in the Lord, chapter 2, verse 21. And as we continue on, we see that we're fellow heirs. We're called to be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ, That's chapter 3 and verse 6. So what sort of walk is worthy of such calling? And so far we've seen that it's a walk that is, we're walking together in unity. And that was chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And then walking in truth and holiness in chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Now that idea of the walk is found throughout scripture but especially here in the book of Ephesians now normally when we think about one's walk we're thinking about getting from one point to another using our legs walking home from the bookstore after you buy your bible you know and because you didn't have enough money for the streetcar, you had to use your legs walking And uh, our walk is something that develops early in our lives, somewhere around the age of one. It's always fun to watch some of our little ones learn to walk. It was fun to watch Emery. Now he runs. He doesn't just walk. He runs. By the way, you need to pray for him. He's uh, had uh, pneumonia and whooping cough, I guess it is. And so pray for Emery and his family. And soon we'll be watching Conrad learn to walk. And little John, he's going to learn to walk here pretty soon. It's always kind of interesting to watch our kids develop that walking ability. Yet there's another sense in which the word is used. It is also referring to a person's walk of life. And we had a quick viewpoint of Bob's history a little bit today and his walk. What do people do with their life? How do they live their life? And that can be described as a walk. In the book of Ephesians, Paul uses the word walk six times. Each time he does, he does it in a sense of one's conduct or manner of living their life. And he's writing to these Ephesian believers to show them how they are to live their lives as they pass through the world as pilgrims and strangers. 
He's writing to teach them how they are to walk, how they are to live their lives. And so even uh, as we look at a portion of this chapter 5, kind of introducing chapter 5, I want to just touch briefly on six uses of the word walk. And you realize what Paul told these believers 2,000 some years ago is still valid for us in our world today. And we want to take a few minutes here this afternoon just to look into these verses and learn how to walk as Ephesians. Walk as, or walk like an Ephesian. And the first walk, and we'll be going back here, chapter 2, is the working walk. The working walk. Chapter 2, verse 10. Now, or for, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, we're not saved by our good works. We see that in verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we are saved to work, as James tells us. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. James 2.18 So no amount of good works can produce salvation, but salvation will produce limitless number of good works. And God has saved us to serve. He has prepared the works which we are able to do as we pass through this life. And he has a special assignment for each person he saves. It's not the same assignment in in a sense. We all represent different areas of life that we work in, as that we move in, different circles of people even. Uh, we're different families, but we are his workmanship. And you could say we're saved to kind of show off. Now, I don't say that in a proud or haughty way, but he saved us to show us off and let the world know what he can do with sinners. You see, it's God who does something with sinners. That's not what we do. We're his workmanship, not ours. He's chosen us to kind of paint the glory of his grace and love upon the canvas of our lives. And he's chosen us to show a lost world what a great God can do with a lost sinner. And as we abide in him, we have no problem carrying out the assignment which he has given to us. So that's the working walk. The next one is the worthy walk. Now, we're getting back to chapter 4 and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. The word worthy comes from a word that means to balance the scales. What Paul is saying is, let your walk balance with your talk. You say one thing, but you live another way. There needs to be a balance between your walk and your talk. Simply stated, we are called upon to be what we claim to believe. I think too many believers claim to believe one thing, and yet they live another. And such things should never be. This verse reminds us that we are called by God to be a part of his saving plan. We are 
to walk worthy of that calling. We're to balance our lives with the fact that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2, 9. Only one who lives, uh, whose uh, life balances is worthy of the name Christian. Then there's the third walk, and that's the wholehearted walk. This is verse 17 of chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Paul's emphasis, again in this verse, is that believers ought to be different. They've been saved. They no longer need to live like the world around them. And remember, those who are in Jesus are new creatures. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Now we note the corruption and the vice of Ephesus of Paul's day. It was a wicked city filled with wicked men, wicked worship. The temple of Diana or Artemis was there according to Acts chapter 19 and verse 24 through 28. It was a place associated with paganism, prostitution, and crime. And the Greek philosopher Heraclitus said that this uh, said this about the uh, about Ephesus and the Ephesians he said the darkness of vileness the morals were lower than animals and in the inhabitants of Ephesus were fit only to be drowned we could probably find some places like that today here in America and we have enough wickedness in Spooner Ephesus was no easy place to live, but Paul calls the Ephesian believers to be different. The same clear lines of demarcation still exist between the people of the Lord and the world around us. We've been saved to be different. And the way to do this is to avoid the path of the lost. That's what we see in verses 17 through 19. And to walk the path of life which we see in verses 20 through 32. We can live for God. Number four is the wonderful walk. Now we're getting to chapter five, but look at verse two. It says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Paul's telling the Ephesians that their lives are to be characterized by love. And Jesus said that love was to be the earmark or the defining trait of his disciples. Over in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The love Paul refers to, of course, is uh, the love of God, and that's agape love. We know that refers to God's kind of love. It's unconditional. It's based on a conscious choice uh, after close evaluation. In other words, it means to love someone in spite of what they are, what they have done, or what you know about them. It's loving like Jesus loves you. He loves you in spite of what you are. He loves you uh, in spite of what you've done. And he loves you because, uh, even though he knows all about you. And this love should be evident in our lives in three areas. 
The first one is a love for the Savior. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. It's a kind of love that will keep us holy. And then there's the love for the saint. 1 John three fourteen. It's a kind of love that will keep us humble. By the way, if you can't love a brother in Christ, a brother or sister in Christ, your claim to love God is a lie. 1 John 4.20, if any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. And then there's love for the sinner, Matthew 22.39. Love thy neighbor as thyself. When we learn to love the lost around us like Jesus does, this is a kind of love that will keep us hot or on fire for the Lord. Fervency. So, love for the Savior keeps us holy. Love for the saint keeps us humble. Love for the sinner keeps us hot or fervent. And the ability to love this way is not natural, but it's a supernatural work of God in us. And then number five is the witnessing walk. Notice the contrast in chapter 5 and verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now... Are ye light in the Lord? Walk as children of the light. You see the contrast? We're darkness. That's what lost folks still are. Now we are light. Our whole nature has been changed. We are to live that change out before a world that's trapped in darkness. And as we do, our lives become a living testimony to the awesome power of God to change the sinner. The lost are going to see the change. It's going to stir their hearts. Even as Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works. You see, it's not just enough to walk in the light. We are light. Because we are who we are by the power of God, and we are to live the light of God's truth in our lives every moment of our lives. And then number six is the wise walk. And we'll be seeing each one of these walks in Ephesians 5 more detail. But look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly means accurately, exactly, diligently. Paul's call for the believers to walk with their eyes open. We have a a grandson who, when he was littler, I didn't see him do this in the last couple of days. We were with our kids and grandkids for a couple of days here, and, and he's grown up a little bit. I say a little bit. He's still a bugger. But he used to walk around when he learned to walk with his eyes closed. You know? And he'd go walking over by the steps, you know? And we'd, we'd say, whoa, whoa, Joshy, wait a minute. He'd walk around and he thought that was fun. But Paul says we need to walk with our eyes open so we can see what's ahead of us. 
We're to watch each step we take, looking diligently for the snares of the devil. Again, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to walk with our eyes open, and we need to walk with our eyes open so we see the opportunities that the Lord gives to us. Now, the idea of this verse really in, is twofold. We can either live our lives like fools, that is, we can fall into the devil's traps, we can walk in disobedience, or it can be something as simple as living our life for the wrong thing. And that makes, all of those things make for foolish living. Or we can live as wise men. That means we take every minute, make every minute count for the glory of the Lord. That's what verse 16 is about, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We use the opportunities that God gives us and we watch out for the traps and the tricks of the devil. And we don't just set our sail to the wind and go wherever it takes us. But we plan our time around the will of God so that we can accomplish as much for him as we can for his glory. So how is your walk? Is it a working walk, a worthy walk, a wholehearted walk, a wonderful walk? Is it a witnessing walk? Is it a wise walk this afternoon? Perhaps there are some things that you need to think about here. If so... God can give you a spiritual tune-up. As we come to the fifth chapter, we're going to learn about our walk or our conduct in Christ, which is worthy of our calling, and it's one in which we can walk in love, walk as light, and walk as wise. Come back next Sunday after our evening, and you'll find out the answer to that. Say tension all week long you'll wonder to be continued let's pray